morning, everyone. My name is John Fairchild, uh, interim pastor at Grace during these days. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Glad you're here. Uh, I want to thank the kids for joining us in singing and worship. Love to hear your voices. But now you can go to your classes in GK and uh, continue your part of the worship service down the hallway there. Your volunteer from Grace Kids will meet you at the door and help you find your classroom. We pray you'll have a wonderful time together. The rest of us who remain here um, will be studying the subject and learning about the subject of uh, servanthood, serving, being servants, being volunteers, however you want to phrase it, uh, in, our, uh, in our church and in our midst this morning. Let me pray a prayer to begin with uh, as we begin. Join me if you would. <clears throat> Just though, before we do, a moment of silence on your parts, just in a way to reboot, to uh, remember why you're here, and remember what this gathering is this morning. A long time ago, someone died for us. The King of Heaven, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ our Lord. When he died, he took our sins upon himself at the cross and paid the penalty for them and offers us a gift, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of a clean heart, the gift of a new life and a new birth. Father, thank you for this moment that we have now to sit in your presence. Thank you for the praises and the songs we've been able to sing, to welcome you as we've been reminded, to lift you up with our praise, our words, our songs. We haven't been able to lift you as high as you are worthy, but Lord, it's been our delight to sing of you this morning. Speak to us now during this next few minutes, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Today is kickoff Sunday, as you probably know, probably have heard. That's, that just means we're kicking off the fall season. Um, it always seems like the beginning of the year, right? It is at school, and uh, it sort of feels like that at church as well. January the 1st is the beginning of the year in another way, but September is the kind of the beginning of our church year when we all get back together after our summer vacations and time away and, uh, and begin to <clears throat> bear down and refocus for the fall. And uh, so glad you're here this morning. Uh, a task we have in the church every September is to uh, just make sure that all of our serving teams are fully, fully staffed, you might say, and uh, where we have all the proper places, people in place and people serving. And, uh, and so we want to focus on that this morning. Uh, outside, after the service, uh, Lord willing that it's not raining, um, we'll be, the kids will be having some fun out there at some organized games, and we'll all be invited out there as well for coffee. There's a, a little tent and uh, some sign-up uh, clipboards out there for various areas of ministry in the church, which we invite you to consider if you're not serving on some kind of a serving team already. Uh, maybe now is the time for you to begin that, and I'll talk more about this as the service goes along. But some of our teams uh, have some, uh, some gaps in them. 
some of those who served in the past, perhaps last year, are, uh, are not able for some reason or another to continue, and, uh, and so we need to fill those gaps and those holes. And uh, some of them are doing well, some of them uh, have, have real needs in that way. So, so uh, it's our appeal to uh, all of us this morning to fill those gaps as much as we are, are able to do. Some, um, some facts and numbers and information for you just at this point. I'll give you some numbers. Uh, the number 2 uh, and the number 10 and the number 80 and the number 30. Let me explain. We have two services every Sunday morning. And uh, so we need people to serve in each of those two services. Uh, there are 10 serving teams that have to do directly with Sunday morning, serving us in some way or another just during this hour. Of course, Grace Kids, the worship team, parking, uh, welcoming team, uh, sound team, etc. cetera. And, uh, and so I just wanted you to be aware of those teams, more about them as we go along as well this morning. The number 80 has to do with the total number of, of volunteers that we currently have. It's an approximate number. The total number of volunteers who serve at one or the other of our two services uh, on one of those 10 teams. And uh, so not all 80 serve on any given Sunday morning. On any given Sunday morning, the number 30 is the one, approximately, again, 30 people volunteering and serving every, uh, every Sunday morning, about 15 in the first service and about 15 in the second service. Before I go any further, thank you so much to everybody who serves in a volunteer capacity uh, or even in a staff capacity uh, on one of those teams on our Sunday morning services here at Grace. We're, we're grateful, and uh, we can't do it without you. If you, uh, if, when you leave the auditorium and you turn left at the door, immediately on your left is a bulletin board uh, with uh, a, a little poster uh, picturing each of those teams. Uh, some, a, a lot of them serve Sunday morning, but some of them serve at other times during the week as well. Just for you to take a look and notice uh, and, uh, and, and be aware of all the opportunities that there are to serve in some way here at Grace. There are four particular teams that need a little extra help at this point in our, time, in our, in our fall kickoff. The welcome team needs some more helpers, the projector team at the back, the live stream team, and the Grace Kids team. Guess what our biggest volunteer team is in the church? Grace Kids, yes, we need lots of people serving and helping in a leadership or helper capacity with Grace Kids in each service. And uh, the second largest team, I suppose, is our worship team who have just finished serving us by leading us in praise and in, in worship. Another couple of teams are a little thin and could use a, a little extra boost. That would be Grace Youth and uh, the sound team as well. You know when the best time to join a serving team here at Grace? Right now, uh, this, this month, even this Sunday, because we're just starting off the new year. It's sort of a fresh start. Training is available if you need a little bit of training just to help you know what to do on your team, and we'll help you figure out even your best fit. You may step forward and say, I'd like to help. I don't know where to start. I, I, I see this team and this one. I Gosh, I'm, I don't know. You know who you need to talk to at that point is Becky Goodwin. Is Becky in the room? Maybe not. Uh, but she's here. I saw her. Becky Goodwin is devoted to helping people get connected to a team 
to help them be trained and confident to do whatever their task is, big or small. She's really good at it, and she's also really nice. So you can talk to Becky and get uh, all the help that you would need from her, and uh, she'll probably be outside the door here around those clipboards helping you to figure out if you want to sign up for a team or not. So we thank Becky, of course, for all of her service to us in that way. Now, I'd like to read a couple of passages from Scripture having to do, you guessed it, with serving this morning. The first one comes out of Luke chapter 22. That'd be slide two, Leah. <coughs> and, uh, and we'll just read through it together. It's a fairly familiar passage, uh, but uh, I just want to read it without a lot of comment just now, a little more comment later, uh, just for us to have it as, as part of the part of the, 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 the scripture that is informing us and guiding us today. Then we'll read another passage right after that. Luke 22, verse 24 to 27. Also, a dispute. This is Jesus with his disciples in the upper room just before going to the cross. A dispute arose among them, among the disciples, as to which of them was considered to be greatest. Oh, how typically human is that, right? Which of them was considered to be the greatest? Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, i.e. over their subjects, over the Gentiles, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. Listen to this. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest, and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater? The one who is at the table or the one who serves. But I am among you as the one who serves. Jesus very clearly identified himself <clears throat> as the one who serves. And we take our cues from him as we follow him. We talk about following Jesus. Well, if we follow Jesus, we'll end up serving because that's what he's doing. And that's where he invites us to be as we, as we follow him. The next passage is a very famous one as well. It comes from John chapter 13, and it's the story where Jesus washes the disciples' feet uh, in the upper room, again, probably the very same evening. Uh, serving seemed to be on his mind very much at that point. So we'll read this story now, and uh, it's, a, it's a classic story about serving. It, it undergirds the whole concept of serving in the church, so I thought it would be good for us to read about it and think about it a little bit this morning. So we'll begin at verse 1, John 13, verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then, Lord, 
Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said, not everyone was clean. <clears throat> when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you do them. Let's go back over this story and pick our way through it and notice a few important things. Remember I said it's the foundation of all service in the church. <clears throat> notice in verse 1, it says, Having loved his own <clears throat> who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Love undergirds all service. Not guilt or duty or even being responsible. Those are Responsibility, of course, is good, but, but love, if love undergirds it, it changes everything about service. <clears throat> it says here that the, in verse 2, the evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas. Remember, Judas was about to betray Jesus to the authorities to have him arrested. We'll come back to this point a little bit later. Verse 4, so he got up from the meal. It would seem that he was maybe halfway through his dinner. Uh, when he got up, he might have left a plate half eaten and with half of the food still. And he got up from the meal, didn't say after the meal. He took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin, began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Let's pause and <coughs> see a little theology in this picture. It's a beautiful picture, actually, and, and uh, describes something very, very important. So on the surface, he got up from the meal, took off his outer robe, put a towel around his waist, got the basin and the water, and went from disciple to disciple washing their feet. Let me read you another passage. <clears throat> comes from slide one, uh, Leah, and that would be a passage from Philippians 2, 6 to 8. This is Paul describing some of the theology of the incarnation of Jesus, how he came from heaven to earth. Who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross." Do you see in that passage someone leaving their place at the table, you might say, in heaven with all of its glory and privileges, taking off his outer robe of his glory and his privileges, uh, coming around from behind the table down to the floor level of his disciples, wrapping himself with a towel, perhaps girding himself with 
humanity with human form. He didn't leave behind his deity, but he left behind the privileges and the glory of his deity, took upon himself human form, even the form of a servant, and obeyed his father. That we have pictured as Jesus leaves the table, takes off his robe, puts on a new garment of humanity, and serves all of humanity. Amazing picture. Remember that, please, and think about it as we go on through life. <clears throat> all serving is the giving of something of yourself to meet the needs of someone else. It's the giving of your, your life, your energy, your strength, your time, to meet the needs of someone else who has a need. When Jesus served his disciples on this occasion, he uh, left behind some of his meal, I'm presuming, and he gave of his strength and, and even perhaps some of his dignity as a teacher because Peter was horrified that the Lord and the teacher is washing feet, but that was fine with Jesus, not a problem. That's who I am, he said. So all serving is the giving of yourself. But you know, there's two stories in this story. There's an there's a immediate surface level, and then there's a deeper level, which we'll refer to a couple of times here. The immediate surface level is the water, the basin, the, 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 wa the washing of the feet. But the deeper level is that Jesus gave up himself to meet the needs of someone else. And the someone else is you and me. And he gave up his life on the cross to meet our needs as sinful and lost people. <clears throat> our needs were, we were estranged from God, and he gave of himself to bring us back to God. Our needs were, we were filthy with sin, and he gave of himself to wash us clean. Our needs were, we had no family, we were orphans, and he gave of himself to bring us into the family of God. And we could go on and on and on. That's the deeper story contained within this story. Please notice it and please see it as the greatest and ultimate servant of all served us. In verse 7, Jesus replied, You do not realize what I am doing, but later you will understand. Just notice that there is something deeper to be understood in this story. We will come back to that. I've already talked a little bit about it. Verse 8, no, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Well, that was true on that particular evening, but it has, again, part of the deeper story where unless Jesus, through his death on the cross, washes us and our souls, we have no part with him. In a sense, in the gospel, Jesus comes to every person and says, let me wash you. Do not be like Peter and say, you shall never wash me, but rather be grateful and allow him to wash us clean with his great act of service at the cross. <clears throat> In verse 10, Jesus says, you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him and why he, he, that's why he said not everyone was clean. The only point to notice here is that Judas was one of the 12. He was in the room and he got his feet washed as well. It was unconditional, his service. That speaks to me as that my service should be unconditional as well. 
I'm not to look at the person and say, I wonder if they're worthy of my service or not. That's not the right question. They're a person who has a need, we serve them. We care for them in whatever their need is. And so Jesus washed Judas's feet <clears throat> without any reference to what Judas was contemplating at the time. A short time later, it would seem almost minutes later, Judas got up and left and went out to perform his deed of betrayal. But he had clean feet. Verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. So a couple of things to understand here in this story. Number one, in Christ's kingdom, the leaders and the rulers serve instead of reclining at table. They follow the example of Jesus in serving the disciples. And they do the dirty jobs. And they take initiative. Nobody told Jesus that the feet weren't washed. Nobody even noticed except him. And he got up without fanfare, without drawing attention to himself, and began to wash their feet. <clears throat> But there's a higher level thing to understand in this story, and I've already been talking about it. The ultimate cost, the ultimate, this, this, what Christ did for us at the cross was the ultimate act of costly, loving, humble service, where the Lord washed not our feet, but our souls with his atoning blood. I think that's why he said, do you understand what I have done for you? There's something else to see here rather than the mere surface act in that room on that evening. It pictured more to come, much more. Verse 15, or 14, now that I, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Notice the word should two times. You also should wash one another's feet. I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. There are two motives here for us as we serve in daily life. The first motive is we serve out of gratitude. He has served me. I am very thankful. I serve others in following him. And that is a very, very good motive. But there's another factor, and I just call it the should factor. There are certain things we should do, like it's the right thing to do. If you see someone with a need, suppose we're coming into church on a Sunday morning and someone's not physically very able and they're maybe struggling or they're, they've got a walker or something and, 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 uh, and the wheel falls off the walker, you should help them. It's just the should factor. It's the right thing to do. It's the right human thing to do, not just the right Christian thing to do. And, uh, and so there, there, are, there are some things about service that we, we just need to realize, I should help there. I should, I should serve there. I should sign up. I should follow. I should contribute somehow. I shouldn't just be a taker. I should be a giver as well. And, uh, and may God help us to, to internalize that and begin to function that way in our lives. I don't mean to say nobody's doing that. You're all doing a really, really, really good job of that, I think. This is just to stir us on further and to stir up a spirit and a mentality of serving here in, uh, in our church. Last verse, now that you know these things, you would be blessed if you do them. Here's the promise of blessing. 
uh, as you and I serve others, give of ourselves to meet the needs of others, there's a blessing waiting for us from God. Uh, and I was reading some stuff online, you know, about how good it is to volunteer and how good it is to serve. And, and uh, so some of the blessing is, according to what I read, uh, those, who, those who volunteer in not just the church, but even just in life in our society, those who volunteers, they have lower blood pressure. Well, I thought, wow, there's part of the blessing right there. Somehow it has to do with you get the blood flowing and it's good for your veins and your arteries. Uh, so I understand. Uh, you have a better social life. You're mingling with people. You're part of a team. You have the reward of someone saying to you, hey, that's good, thank you very much. So there's a, there's a blessing involved in serving just on a human level and then I think some kind of extra richer blessing directly from God, whatever that might be in your life. Let's go back to Luke 22. The passage we read earlier <clears throat> where Jesus said, I'm among you as the one who serves. He was talking about the kings of the Gentiles. Remember that? And those would be the Romans, maybe some Greeks in the Jewish society. <clears throat> and uh, the Romans were the bosses. They were the dominant power. They ran the whole show. Pilate was the governor. Remember him? He was one of those kings of the Gentiles. Because of their position, Jesus noted, they expected to be served. That Jesus noted that the superior level individuals in their society were the ones who were, quote, at table. They are the ones who are at, at the table. In a room, if you entered a room in that, in that society <clears throat> and there were tables set up and food was being served, you could pick out immediately who the top dog was in the room because he's seated at the head table. And, uh, and they were the ones who... Uh, were at table. That's where you would find them. And he would be, he or she would be saying, my goblet is empty. Servant, refill my goblet with wine. Uh, or uh, bring me more bread and meat on the double. Or I need more, uh, I, I, I spilled the gravy. Somebody clean this up right away, please. Like this is what the person at the head table would be saying and barking and shouting in the room. Jesus is just noting that's how things work. Everyone would be scurrying around this person, catering to his every command, making sure that he or she was happy. Now comes a blockbuster statement from Jesus, verse 26, but you are not to be like that. Oh, oh, oh really? Please expand, Lord. You're not to be like what? You're not to be expected to be waited on hand, expecting to be waited on hand and foot, and treated like royalty. You see, that's the kingdom of this world, said Jesus. But in my kingdom, everybody serves, even the leaders. Has some task been neglected and left undone, like the customary washing of feet? In Jesus' kingdom, you don't snap your fingers. You snap to it. You get up halfway through your dinner, you take off your cloak, you put on the towel, you fill the basin with water, and you get down on your knees and you get to work. He said we should do that. You don't draw attention to yourself. Look at me, look at me, what a great servant. Or grumble about the forgetful servants. You just take the initiative and do it quietly out of service to him. What Jesus did on that occasion, he taught afterwards that we should all do. 
So here we are in 2023. And as you know, we live in a consumer culture. Big time. Everything runs around us. This runs the whole economy, our consumer culture. You see, you know, if you go out and drive down Wyndham Street or Stone Road, you won't see kings and military generals and governors riding around in chariots. You won't see kings out there. You know why? Because we're the kings. We consumers are the kings. Let me illustrate. The rule of thumb in business is the customer is always right. Uh, in most stores and restaurants, you're almost immediately greeted at the door with, may I help you, sir, ma'am? Sorry to keep you waiting. I think you'd really like this seat over here by the window. It's got a nice view. Let me know if I can help you in any way, O oh, king, king customer. We would like your feedback. How did we do today? We're really anxious to keep you happy. Tell us about your experience. We are honored that you visited us in our establishment, and we look forward to seeing you again real soon. You could get used to that. We have got used to that. That's life. That's, I'm not saying that's wrong at all. I'm just saying, do we understand the water that we fish are swimming in? That's it. Where it can go wrong, though, is when you and I, who have been treated all week long like royalty and honored like kings out there in the mall or in the theater or at the keg having our steak, and then we come home to our spouse and our children or we come to church on Sunday and we still expect to be waited on hand and foot and told repeatedly how wonderful we are. The key word is expect. Do we expect it? Remember Jesus' two bombshell statements. But you are not to be like that. And I am among you as the one who serves. You know what? When you come to church on any given Sunday, you actually should be served. And you should be treated well. And it should be apparent people care about you and, 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 and see you as important and worth much. Typically, someone will guide us to our parking spot. No sooner have we turned in off the highway. And then we're greeted at the door and made to feel welcome. And the chairs have already been set up in nice, neat rows for us. And <clears throat> someone is running the sound system so that we can hear every word of of everything that is said here in the auditorium. A group of skilled people lead us in uplifting and beautiful worship songs. And if we have children, there's a team of competent and fun people who care for our children and teach them while we sit in the auditorium. And, thank God for this, coffee is waiting for us at the end of it all. And you know what? I'm in favor of all those things. Those are good things. And that's the service that we experience when we come into church. But there's a difference between going to the mall and going to church. At the mall, everything stays the same. I've been going to the Stone Road Mall for 40 years, and nothing has changed. But in church, things actually change. We grow in responsibility, and we grow in serving others, and we grow in learning to love others. Uh, <coughs> 
as part of the church family. The church is a family, and in our families, we learn to serve. Let me explain that a little bit. For the first two or three years of your life, when you were in diapers, all the service flowed towards you. You were the center of attention. You're not able to do anything else. So you were served and cuddled and coddled and changed and fed and tickled and, and everything else. And it was a wonderful life. It's all over now, folks. Sorry. <coughs> By the time you were five or six, a wise parent will begin to assign little age-appropriate duties. Maybe putting napkins on the table. Maybe feeding the dog. Maybe picking up some toys but not cooking the roast beef yet. At age 10 or 12, the duties get a little bit more uh, complex and more responsibility built into them. Maybe it's wash the car or cut the grass or clean the pool or set the table or do the dishes. It's good to learn how to serve. At age 16 or 17, maybe now you do cook a simple dinner or you take the car out and pick up your sister from dance class if you have a license. <clears throat> it's normal and good and healthy to serve. You learn skills and responsibility and accountability. And hopefully you will regularly hear something like, you did a good job. You're really, you've really improved in your skills. Thank you. I appreciate your help. It's part of the growing and maturing process in life. <clears throat> that is not expected of you at the mall but it is expected of us in families, and the church is a family. But now I must be careful. Not everyone is on a serving team for some reason, possibly. You might be brand new to grace. I don't want you sitting there going, I feel terrible. The pastor's, you know, he's, he's haranguing us about serving, and I, I'm not on a team yet. Well, I'm, I must be a terrible Christian. I don't mean that at all. I do not mean, some, sometimes it's not the right time or place or even you have the ability to serve. So just, just relax on that and ask God to show you where and how maybe what you could do. Some service is formal and organized, such as teaching a GK class or being on the welcoming team and you're, you know the time you arrive and the time you're finished and you know what you should do. But lots of service also is spontaneous. Uh, you just have a serving heart. You're looking out for needs. Like Jesus, Jesus wasn't on foot washing duty on that particular morning. He just saw a need and he, he had such a servant heart that he just moved toward it immediately. That's a great mentality to have throughout the whole church. And, uh, and that's my goal and my desire is that that could just be growing and growing and always growing uh, in us here and in our homes, in your workplace, of course. So we're looking for God to develop in us more and more the heart of a servant, just to be ready and willing. So what should undergird and underlie all of our serving? I think it's the gospel. We've seen the gospel actually hidden in the story there of Jesus washing the feet. The gospel is the story of Jesus being born as a baby, his wonderful, perfect life of service, his death on the cross was all about service. His resurrection 
That's the gospel, that whole big picture. And all those parts of Jesus and his life should undergird and underlie all of our serving. That's where I want to go next week, is to explain how that actually works and to put some specifics uh, into that thought that the gospel underlies our service in the church. Let's pray. Lord, we read earlier from Philippians that you existed in the form of God, but you did not regard equality with God something to be clung to. You emptied yourself, you took the form of a servant, and so, Lord, I pray that our church would be marked by a deeply committed culture of service to one another and to those who come through our doors on any given Sunday morning. Our deepest desire is that you would be glorified in our lives and through our service. Amen.